Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch. This is a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and World of Warcraft and maybe other games as well. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he also writes Know Your Lore. He does plenty of things and he has his pulse or his finger on the pulse of the orc community. Matt Rossi, say hi. So the the pulse of the orc community is mostly like, you know, gravy. Gravy? They like gravy. A few Hot people know gravy. that about orcs. They're, they're oh. really big on gravy. They're really big on gravy. Gravy and murder, primarily. <laughs> Do those things go well together? I, I guess. I mean, you have to ask them. Is there some kind of palate cleansing sorbet between courses? I guess that's the murder. That's the murder? Oh, okay. The murder is the palate cleansing sorbet. Well, speaking orc, of orcs. Orc cuisine. And- yeah, very, very limited. Things that have nothing to do with him. Our second co-host is our shaman col- columnist. He also knows tons and tons and tons about lore. It's Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Hi. I don't have anything interesting like hot gravy to say, though. I feel hot like I'm ill-prepared. <laughs> Check it and see. <laughs> it's got a fever of 103. Uh, I think uh, I think we're onto something here. Possibly. Possibly. So this week we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I didn't actually come into this week with any kind of lore figure or whatever as a topic. However, I've been kind of heavily playing the Mass Effect series, and I actually finished the series last night. And we're not we're not going to talk about Mass Effect directly per se, but um, a lot of the thematic elements that I found in Mass Effect are also kind of echoed by what we see going on in world of warcraft and the main the main thing that i see and i see this in a lot of games it's not just world of warcraft it's not just mass effect it's like a lot of games follow this concept of order versus chaos right where chaos is bad and you have these creatures or beings or giant higher powers or whatever that want to create order and peace within the universe because apparently this is like the best thing for all involved but a lot of times order isn't necessarily the best thing because it's order as dictated by whatever beings are dictating that order 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, if you, it's interesting to think about because, in a way, both the Titans and the Burning Legion want order. Mm-hmm. It's just the kind of order they want. It's a, it's a little different. It's a different. It's in slightly different ways. So what I you, figured today we would go ahead and we would talk about the nature of order and chaos in World of Warcraft and the actual universe itself and how that universe works on a cosmic level. Because there's something way bigger going on than orcs and gravy and murder. So, Joe, why don't you chime in here? Well, I find it interesting uh, just because there's the Titans are this weird, gigantic race of metallic skinned gods that went over through the universe and just were like, I don't like this. I don't like this. This is how this is supposed to be. This is what I think order should be. This is what it's going to be now. Hi, I'm going to shape you out of this ground. This is good. We're going to go ahead and do this now. And it seems really weird because it's every depiction of them and their quote unquote order seems like they're children playing in a sandbox that they don't fully understand quite yet. And we, we can see glimmers of that with some of their faux pas, right? Uh, the various infestations of old gods, which I'm sure Rossi's chomping at the bit to talk about at some point. <laughs> now, are those the Titans' fault, though? I, we don't know. And that's the thing. We know that they were here, but we don't know how, like, if the infection or the reordering of the world caused it to be worse or how it was. So that's it. We have the stories, but we don't know the reality quite yet. Okay. Well, I mean, we know that from the Architraz dungeon, there's this scene where Harbinger Skyrus, who uh, basically is an, is a servant of the old gods. He's a Harbinger of the old gods. He also has the name that I'm most likely to turn into Harbinger Skyrim at any given moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different but, series entirely. Yeah, this is totally nothing to do with it. But anyway, um, he basically says at one point, you know, we span the universe as numerous as the stars, and no force in existence can force us to bend our knee, not even the mighty legion, which implies several things about the old gods. One, there's a lot of them. There's not just the few stuck on Azeroth. They're all over the place. They are throughout the universe. They flat out, they're not only not afraid of the legion, they're straight up bring it. Like, bring it. Come on. Bring it on. We'll we'll do it. Let's go. And third, you see other signs of the old gods. Like there's there's a bit in a uh, Shadowmoon Valley on, on Draenor, not on Draenor, on Outland. Yeah. When the you find out that Gul'dan basically tactically nukes a group of Arakoa because they're trying to summon something that looks an awful lot like an old god. It looks like Cthune actually. Yeah. Into into what was then Draenor before, you know, he could get the Legion on board. They were trying to basically call this thing up as a defense and they, he, he hits them with everything to keep them from doing it. And it's, it's, it's one of the things we were talking about order and chaos before. And to, to use a Dungeons and Dragons example, the, the Titans are definitely heavy on the lawful neutral. Like they are, they are very much all about, we're going to restructure existence to, to suit what we think it should be. And we don't care if it, if it requires us to say wipe out all life on your planet and start over again because we made it and we don't care. The, 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 the Legion seems to vary between lawful evil and neutral evil. Like they, they have a strict hierarchy within themselves, but they don't really care much about it in terms of like their overarching mission is to just hammer everything flat. Whereas the, the the old gods are definitely like I said before on the pre-show they're like definitely chaotic marmoset where they don't care it's just 
every, if if this they, they they basically took the elements of Azeroth and put them into eternal war because they thought it was funny. Like they, just they like want to watch the world burn. Yes, and then freeze, and then you know have some earthquakes, and then you know this, this lightning strikes, and then more burning. And they loved that. That the entire elemental war before the dawn of creation was the was the old gods amusing themselves. And as near as I can tell, like originally, the argument was that the old gods were already on Azeroth. Yes. And then it got shifted to the Titans made Azeroth, then left, then came back and found it covered in old gods because you know I guess they left it out too long or something, and that's what happens. Like, oops. Oh, we got old gods. I told you to put that thing away. I didn't know that we'd get old gods. It's I mean, like come fruit on. flies. <laughs> yeah. Well, now what are we going to do? We're going to have to throw it out? No, no, no. What are we going to do with all these old gods? We'll, we'll just bury them. We'll just bury them. That, that, just stick them in the ground. That's good. Some ethereal chains. Ethereal chains will work, right? They're not really going to break. It'll be fine. So what I've always found kind of interesting about this whole thematic order, chaos, whatnot, when you go back to... The Titans and the Burning Legion, right? Okay, so the Titans are basically these creatures of cosmic order. They want to go... We, we don't actually know what their master plan is here. We just know that they travel through the universe, setting worlds right in an image that, that they kind of dictate. And like you were saying, Joe, it, it, there's almost a, a degree of experimentation involved. It's like each iteration of a world is slightly different from the next. Like they correct upon their own mistakes if they make mistakes. And it seems like it's it's a very kind of analytical, almost computer way of thinking, which also kind of leans into the Titan artifacts and stuff that we found, which are very high tech. They just they, they look high tech, even when they don't look high tech. There's an element of high tech behind them that we just don't see. Um Missa Pandaria, for example, you know, you had the engine down in, um, what was that, Mogushan Vault? Mogushan Vault, yeah. yeah. You had that engine engine down there, and you didn't even realize what it was until it started working. And then it was like, wait, no, this is like super high-tech sci-fi is where we're going with this. So it seems like what we should be asking here, it, it, it's interesting to me that we have the Burning Legion and all. Because the Burning Legion, the impetus for the Burning Legion was a member of the Titans looking at the universe and kind of saying to himself, wait, if the universe exists in a chaotic state, why are we trying to fix that? Well, wasn't it the whole idea that chaos is order in its own right? Yeah, it's like so, chaos is kind of the natural order of the universe to begin with. So why are we messing with that natural order by trying to set things right, air quoting here? Well, it's interesting, too. I mean, if you look at the – you were talking about the Mr. Pandaria, the engine on Alec Shock. Uh-huh. There's uh, the engine of the Makers in Northrend, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's – they build these vast complexes that They're are all huge. interconnected. I mean, we look at Alduar and we think Alduar is big, but then we have to realize Alduar is actually much bigger than we see. Because yeah, it can't expands get to like the entire length of Northrend. It's pretty much throughout the zone. Yeah, I mean, there's there's outposts in Sholazar. There's remnants of it down all the way down to to the Wormrest Temple. Wormrest Temple itself is a Titan construct. I mean, there's all these constructs all over the all over the length of Northrend, all over the world, really. But if you look at it in terms of all the stuff they're doing, one of the things that really stands out is they're the ones who are ultimately responsible for the Well of Eternity. And the Well of Eternity 
is pure chaos. It is absolutely chaotic. It changes things. It makes things happen. It is a motive force. It's not controlled at all. And it's really interesting because if you think about it, like, what if the reason that the Titans are so orderly is that they are inherently chaotic? Because look at how they change things. Just by being there, they change things. They sculpt worlds to, like, you know, this plan that they have for them, but... It's like, it's weird. The Legion actually strikes me as far more orderly because they don't make anything. No, they just take it apart. Creation is an inherently chaotic act. I mean, it's, which is why it's so planned out. If you look at like, you know, actual creation of items and things in the real world, you know, making a building requires so many steps because we need it to actually end up as a building and not just, Hey, we we put a pile of metal here. You know, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition like that. The, the Titans are the ones making stuff. The Legion doesn't make anything. The old gods make a ton of things. But it, they it, never seem to know what they're doing. Like, they they kind of mess it up. I don't know how else to put it. That's not the right word. Well, but It's also another question. Like, I remember years ago there was a reference to the Titans as a whole race beyond the ones we know about. And not just being, what was it, six or so Titans that we knew that there was an entire race of these beings somewhere in the cosmos. And these just happen to be like the high council or the, the ruling pantheon, body. Yeah. yeah. So what if this is not representative of the entire race, but this is just, they refer to themselves as the pantheon and they're just, they are. It's just like this, this tiny little outpost yeah. of Titans. Yeah. Where did they come from and why are they doing what they're doing? What I find, what I find kind of interesting is that it's, the Burning Legion isn't really the uh, the opposite of the Titans. And, you know, we've been kind of talking about that a little bit. The opposite of the Titans are the old gods. They're like agents of chaos, like raw chaos, raw, unkindled, unordered, just chaos. Yeah, and they, they... the Titans are trying to structure that chaos. So that's where the two. And then Sargeras and the Burning Legion, they're almost kind of like this offshoot. Sort of like uh, how you have the Scourge, and then the Forsaken sort of broke away and became its own thing. That's actually yeah. a fairly apt description. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like that. So, so what I'm wondering here is, it's, is Sargeras yeah. working on the side of the old gods? Because it's been made pretty clear that he's not. And if he's not working on the side of the old gods, then what is his purpose exactly? It's funny because Sargeras reminds me a bit of, of Mephistopheles from Faust. Yeah. But the part where he says, you know, it would be best if nothing had ever arisen. And thus what you call havoc, deadly evil, or more properly stated sin, that is my proper element. Sargeras is an act of rejection. The old gods aren't rejecting anything. The old gods are way too busy being, you know, these beings that just corrupt and distort and twist and mess up everything. The Legion is an act of regret, of rejection. It's saying no. Like basically it's, if you look at it, if you, the terms of the old gods, if you think of the old gods as part of the primordial chaos of existence, mm-hmm. the Titans are the yes principle, the let's make this into something. And the, and the Legion is the no principle. They're the no, let's not, you know, you said before about how some people just want to watch the world burn. The Legion literally just wants everything to end because it's a botch. This whole thing's a botch. It's a bad job. It's the Titans yeah. want order. The old gods want chaos. 
the Burning Legion wants this whole order versus chaos thing to just stop already. Yeah, just it, because I'll give it's you had order. enough. Yeah, I'll give you order. Here's order for you. How about if everything's dead? How's that sound? You know, it's 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 interesting because it is, it's a rejection. It, it's sort of like you have positive, negative, and then I don't want to play. It's yeah. It's it's like it's like the Titans and the old gods are playing some sort of cosmic game of chess, and the Burning Legion is watching this game and going, "There is no purpose to this," and just wants to flip the board flip over. The table, yeah. Flip well, I mean, it, make, it makes perfect sense, right? Because if if you're looking to have perfect order and destroy all chaos, burn it all to the ground. If everything is, if there's nothing there, there's no chaos. There's no order. It's just nothing. Because as we've seen, order inherently moves towards chaos. We've we've been a cause of this agent in the game. We have moved perfectly stationed and positioned things and released them back into the wild. Uh, cool, Dan. Um, you know, we've, <laughs> we've 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 taken huge named people that are you know these massive forces of evil and you know given them everything they need to go back back in Corfiend. Um, so, I mean, like we, we, we've, we've been these agents of chaos that have been breaking against this order, even though we're trying to be the good guys. So I get it. I get it from the burning legion standpoint. If you see this reordering, it's not really giving order. It's just moving the chaos set to fall in a different order versus well, yeah. the chaos that's already there. It's just like burn it all to the ground. Then you don't have to worry about it. Anymore. See, and this is kind of where, again, the whole mass effect thing kind of comes into play because I mean, you guys have played the games, correct? Absolutely. Okay, so without giving any spoilers, there's there's various outcomes that you can choose that kind of dictate where the end of the series goes. And it does have a definitive ending. World of Warcraft does not have that definitive ending because it's an MMO, it's an ongoing story. But we're looking at this here, right? Okay, so we've got good theoretically the titans versus evil the old gods theoretically and then we have the people who don't want to play good versus evil in the burning legion which one is correct well i mean is there a good choice (laughs) i don't think there's a good choice but i think factually speaking the the legion is correct as long as you accept their first principle if you accept the first principle that there is no purpose to creation then they're they're correct. The best way to achieve order would be to annihilate everything. I think the Titanic perspective is that creation has a purpose in of itself. That there's something inherently, I don't want to say good, but there's an inherent reason to make things, inherent reason to increase. Because the Titan thing isn't doesn't just make order; it increases complexity. The yeah. old gods don't increase complexity. Everything they do, if if you look at what they do to flesh, they don't increase its complexity. They kind of break um, it down. Yeah, but the Titan stuff always increases complexity. They're they're reaching for a more organized universe, but it's also a, a more created universe. It is a more, I don't want to say artificial, but that's one word for it. Literally, artifice. The Synthetic. the act of making, yeah, <laughs> the act of making things instead of just letting things be. The, 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 you could look at the Legion's perspective as we should just burn it all down and let it all be nothing. And the, t- the Titanic perspective is, no, we should let it be all the things it can possibly be. We should make it be all these things, but the right things. Because they're artists. Artists select. Art isn't about showing you everything. Art's about showing you this specific thing. 
It's about making choices to make the final product. You take away all the stone that isn't an elephant, and then you've got an elephant. In terms, you know, using the old sculpting metaphor, I think that's interesting because of of the three forces we're talking about, only one of them really wants to make anything. And I think that's important to like, you know, that's why I would always go with the Titanic perspective because it's an artistic perspective. They're makers. You know, a lot of this discussion makes me really wish that we had more, and this is going to sound probably goofy, but more perspective or, or stories from the perspective of the Furbolgs. <laughs> Wait, okay. No, you need to expand on that one. Go ahead. Because they are one of the oldest races on the, on Azeroth, and they were there before the Titans got there. The Tauren were too, weren't they? The original Proto-Taurans, yes. Um <laughs> But we don't know, but we, we don't have, like, we see some examples of that society, but for for all intents and purposes, that society has evolved into the Tauren. Furbolks have basically remained unchanged since then, at least from what I can tell. And it's interesting because I remember them having this, they, they spoke about it, and it was, it was a weird thing when I was doing the, uh, the Winter Spring stuff, that stupid tunnel. Um, there were stories, or there was something I remember reading in one of the huts, about them having a legend about seeing the Titans coming. And so I would be really interested to see more story from that perspective of, okay, so the Furbolgs were there. They saw this coming. They still have sort of that oral tradition. There's that shamanistic race that has that oral tradition that has certain things that they, they haven't let go of, these legends, these stories. I'd like to hear more of it. Maybe the coming of the Titans or the coming of the, the old gods or everything in between I think they're one of the few races that can actually give us real insight. That's interesting because the Furbolg are the creations of, of Ursol and Ursok, the Bear Ancients. Those are their progenitors. That implies the Ancients predate the Titans. And that Ancient has actually been hinted knew. at multiple times. Uh, there was, there was, uh, was it Wolfheart? I think it was Wolfheart. Mm-hmm that mentioned at the beginning, they were talking about the Ancients and they were talking about how the Titans created the Aspects and the aspects were created as protectors by the Titans, whereas the ancients were kind of, they were creations of the world itself. The Titans had nothing there. to do with their creation. They were kind of born of the world itself. Um, so, yeah, the Furbolg would kind of tie into that, wouldn't they? That's interesting because that also ties into the trolls. You guys remember in Gorobashi, um, there's mm-hmm. the various stones that talk about the Titan arrival and that the trolls witnessed it. They were, they yes. called them the Wanderers, I think. Yeah. The Travelers. Yeah, and then when they the, the trolls witnessed the Titan arrival, and that's interesting because we know the trolls rose to become an incredibly powerful empire because of the Well of Eternity. Uh, no, before it. Oh, excuse th- me. They were the empire, and then there was yeah. a branch that found yeah. the Well of Eternity. The, I the, just find it interesting that there's that evolution aspect thrown in there. Yeah. It's interesting to me, like talking about the Well of Eternity in terms of like. I think we've talked about it before. The Well of Eternity seems inherently non-Titanic. Like it does, it does things that just aren't Titan-y. I don't know. I've like, I've, I've had plenty of theories where I was like, it's either Titan blood or old God blood or something, you know. I'm starting to wonder if there's actually a difference because of the whole thing. When we go through Mr. Pandaria, we find out about the, uh, oh God, I can't remember the name of this stuff. The blood that they use in the, in uh, the, the blood. The animus. The anima. Yeah. Yeah, the, the animus and the way that that's one of the ways that they undid the curse of flesh. The Titans know all about the curse of flesh. 
Like straight up, this isn't something we're told over and over again that the older gods, old gods made it, but the Titans have a way to undo it. And they always have. That's how the Mogu reverse engineered it. They use the anima, which is something that was in the, that's what he got from Raden. He got that, that knowledge from Raden. When, when Li Shen pulled out Raden's heart, that's where he got the information about the anima. That wasn't makes... from the old gods. The Titans have always known. And if you go to Uldaman, this has always bugged me. If you go to Uldaman, they straight up say that the the seed races of Azeroth, they're a, they're a synthetic creation matrix, and that they changed their usual plan. The Titans don't usually make them out of stone. They made them out of stone here because Azeroth is so unusual. To, to match the rocky mantle of Azeroth, they made their creations out of stone. That's not common procedure. The, uh, the Lord Keeper of Norgannon goes out of his way to tell you this. So why? Why <laughs> do they need to make them out of stone here? There and was, uh, there was uh, you know, I bring this up every now and again uh, at a BlizzCon. I think it was Kosak. Kosak said that there is a reason that Azeroth is kind of at the center of all of this. And there's something that makes Azeroth unique from everything else in the universe. And whether whether that's because it's like the pinnacle of whatever it is the Titans were working for or not, we don't know. We don't, but it is exactly. It's just interesting to me that we see evidence that the Titans have done something on other, like if we go to like when you're playing warlords for all that people, you know, have problems with warlords story, you get a lot of interesting information about the Titans out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the Magnaron in particular, the Magnaron um, versus the Botani. I always thought that was kind of interesting in and of itself, but yeah, you'll notice the Magnaron are uh, rocky. They have like stony growths like the Gorin. The Gorin and the Magnaron both are, are supposedly related. And they both have like these rocky growths coming out of their bodies. They're definitely stony. But as the Magnaron quote unquote devolve, you get fleshier and fleshier. Like the curse of the flesh was involved yeah. somewhere. Did the did the old gods do that? Are the Batani like an old god race? I mean they're awfully into tentacles and stuff, but they don't seem to be. They seem to be basically plant-based. It's world-shaping. They've all got different aspects of how they think the world should be shaped. And they're yeah, kind I, of in conflict because of that. But did anyone appoint the Batani? Because on Azeroth, you've got like the natural forces we just mentioned, the Ancients, and the Titan forces, the Aspects. They don't fight. They're no. not in conflict. But here, they are. Is that because Draenor is just that much more aggressive a planet? Uh, is it is it the, the natural Batani forces? are very they they are very they are aware of whatever Titan influence is going on because they do use Titan artifacts like they're interested in Titan artifacts and things like that. So and are they, they know a how to use them? them. So is it is it are they an aspect of the Titans as well? Are they just like another force of order and on Draenor for whatever reason these forces did not you know work well, in we, kind of a cohesive fashion. Also, I mean, we, we've also talked about the Emerald Dream. Oh. And how on, Azeroth has in the Emerald Dream, which is like kind of a, for lack of a better word, it's a backup copy of the planet as it's in, it was intended to exist when it was created. And it's like Draenor doesn't have one because it's right there. Like It's, it's like, like the Batani are the Emerald Dream. Yeah, or, or a, something along the lines of like, you know, your are a living cleaner. version of it. <laughs> yeah, like, like like if you think of Draenor as a like you know a a computer system, the Botania are its disk wiper. They they go through and clean out all the oh that got way too complicated. We're gonna we're gonna make it this way instead, 
And meanwhile, the, the, the rock people, the breakers, just want to smash everything flat. Well, you know? it makes it makes sense too because I remember way back when when we started hearing about Warlords of Draenor to begin with, one of the things they referred to uh, the Batani not as the Batani but as the Primals. Yes, there's and the Primals and the Breakers. The Primals and the Breakers, but the Primals were originally also called the Shapers. Mm-hmm. So they were about restructuring versus smashing it all to the ground. And that, that continues. That, then if you go to Spires of a Rock, and I'm going to tie this all into everything. If you go to Spires of a Rock, there's the the curse that hits Talon King Ickis and various others of his people. The the curse of Se- uh, Seth. Did you say Seth. his name was Seth? Well, Sethic. Yeah. yeah. Seth. So Seth. Seth. Yeah. The curse of Seth that that basically warps and deforms them, and it's that weird red goop. Yeah. Like we, blood. Yeah. It looks like, like blood. the anima. Yeah, it looks like the anima, and it, it's also reminiscent of the stuff that Goldon uses on Shatrath in our timeline. Yeah. The stuff that makes the the stuff that makes the broken in the first place. It kind of devolves the Draenei. Yeah, and it's like, what if they found like their version of the anima somewhere on Draenor? Ugh. And that's what that is. And it's again, what if it is old god blood? Because over and over again we keep seeing like like hints to the, you know, if the old gods made the curse of flesh Maybe it's just because their blood is inherently do- does that. Maybe that's just how they affect they affect Titan creations. Maybe that's why they had to make their creations out of stone on Azeroth in the first place because the old gods were underground and they had to go deal with them. Like you know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on that doesn't. It's it's like the Legion almost seems like I don't know how to put this. The Legion are like opportunists who come along and interject themselves into this ancient. You know, it's like literally like Sargeras is looking at this ancient battle and saying, you're never going to win. It's always going to be primals versus breakers. It's always going to be old gods versus titans. You're never going to win. They're going to keep being pure chaos. You're going to keep trying to organize it. It's a sucker's game. You can't win. The only winning move is not to play. So uh, is 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 Sargeras the Cosmos's version of Terran Zoo? <laughs> I like that. I'd feel bad for Sargeras now. Sick burn on Sargeras. <laughs> where, where this conflict is always, each conflict is an act of aggression and each response is also an act of aggression that just furthers it. And you just need, at some point, you just need to stop and walk away. Now, that's, this is, this is all, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tie this all into Legion. We do have a point kind of a point here in all of this rambling in legion we are obviously we're going to be fighting the burning legion they're coming to azeroth they are invading they are doing all this other stuff but when we back up and i mean back way up on a cosmic level and we look at this whole titans are good old gods are evil burning legion just wants to flip the table and end the game entirely are we wasting our time battling with the burning legion when we really should be looking at the old gods well i mean you have to also consider going back to the earlier point the old gods don't fear the burning legion at all no at all all. uh they don't care and no because to them flipping the table is just as good as anything else i mean it's chaos it's all chaos they'll survive one way or another yeah care they they are eternal so i think you're, you're you're hitting on an interesting point there it's like is and, and this ties in with one of our earlier discussions we were talking about Queen Azara. If the old gods are playing this long game, 
if they they can sit and wait and they don't care and they don't care who wins they can play both sides against the middle well keep in mind the the, uh, the old gods thought it was perfectly acceptable to summon sargeras through a portal onto azeroth bodily as long as it gave them a portal they could then use to get out of their prison yep yeah the old gods are not like they're totally all right with the Legion cracking the planet. Here's the thing is we, it's not wasting our time to fight the Legion because whether or not the Legion is right in terms of their ultimate argument, they're still here wrecking that they're still smashing things. Now it's like, if you were playing chess with somebody and somebody comes over and flips the board, they're still a jerk. Even if they're right, you know, your game is pointless. You're never going to win checkers against him. So what? I was having fun playing. You came along and wrecked my board. Now, now we're going to have words I, that that was unacceptable, man. I think that's like, you know, even for, for those of us who are the pieces on the board, you know, we're we're OK with the board still being there. That's the problem with the Legion is even if their ultimate philosophical argument is right, which I'm not necessarily willing to cede, their actions in the here and now aren't because we're the pieces in this game and we would like it to keep going. So we get to keep being, you know, the, the old gods obviously don't care. I don't know if the Titans care. Obviously, since they sent Algalon to Azeroth, they care in a very sort of, well, okay, it's messed up, blow it all up sort of way. But we're, we're caught in the middle between these forces. In a way, maybe none of them are right. Or more accurately, maybe none of them are good for us. I feel like we need like a nerdy like mage with glasses and a leather jacket to come out and just be like, you know, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> No. Oh my god, no. Quickly, get into my teleporter and, and don't bring any flies with you. Don't bring any flies. It's a no, terrible I, idea. You know, I just, I, I, don't, I don't see that... The problem is that this is the kind of stuff, it's on a cosmic scale. For all that we get involved in that sort of thing, we're not we're leaping so on a cosmic scale. We're so tiny. We're so yeah. tiny in comparison to all of this. Well, and it's sort of like Galactus in, in, in Marvel, like where they constantly argue, Galactus is a cosmic force who must exist for the universe. That's great. He's trying to eat my planet. I live here. All my stuff's here. All my friends are here. I don't want him to eat the planet. I Do mean, you I'm know, so I don't even own a truck, so moving is just not an option. Yes, especially since he's going to eat everywhere I could drive to. <laughs> it's, you know, I don't even have a like, space truck. <laughs> The Legion show up and they're like smashing everything. It's like, you know, um, it's great that you have a philosophical disagreement with your your family. Really? You guys keep, should keep it lively. But I want my planet to be here. Stop turning it on green fire. OK. <laughs> so to me, to me, the Burning Legion, it almost feels like kind of a diversion from the real thing that we should be looking at here. Which is that whole Titan versus Old God thing. I mean, yes, the Legion is a very persistent threat. And yes, they are very focused on Azeroth for some reason. There's something important going on with Azeroth. And we just happen to be the unfortunate schmucks that are living on the planet. Um, and we just happen to have improved ourselves to the point where the Legion can no longer ignore us as a viable threat. There's just no way. Well, it makes you wonder... If we're at that point where the Legion cannot ignore us anymore, how long till the old gods can't? Right. Long the, how long till the Titans can't? And, and it comes back but to this. But have the old gods really been ignoring us? Because they've existed on the world all this time. That's true, but we don't know yet. And that's the thing. Like, we, we, we have a lot of we don't knows. 
And and that's the largest problem. We have... Are they cool with kicking back and letting us fight the Burning Legion? Because either A, it will get them out of their prison once the planet is destroyed. Or mm-hmm. B, us fighting the Burning Legion? Hey, that's chaos. They're all for that. Well, so I think either way they win. Yeah. Well, it, it comes down to like the whole weird idea of, you know, part of the problem is scale. Like you said before, we're tiny. We live our lives in this like a little eye blink that while they're shoving, you know, whole planets around as part of their their cosmic reindeer games, we're we're like creatures of like no moment. It's what always gets me interesting about the uh, the the Naru. And the Denaru seem to play on that same scale. Yeah. But they seem to actually care about the little pieces. I'm not saying that they're like, you know, necessarily our buddies, but they seem to actually care about interacting with us directly. Sort of like I, – I don't know how to put it. There's no real-world analogy, but it, it's the difference between strategy and tactics where like you can have a grand strategy for the universe, but tactically you have to think smaller. You have to actually think about the every step that leads the, on the way. It's the whole concept of planning versus execution. They're kind of the relay between the Titans and us because they seem to be working on the same level. As the Titans, where it's like, yeah, we, we recognize the Legion as this persistent threat, and we would like to see it wiped out. But they don't really acknowledge or recognize the old gods. Like, they don't talk about them. They don't. And you would, think, be, yeah, you would, you would think, think that they would, they would be really gung-ho about getting rid of the old gods, because they're the clearly, clearly if they don't want, if they want peace in the universe, if they want this whole universal harmony thing, the old gods need to go. Don't they? Except here's the thing. Think about it in the, in the terms of a landscaper. Mm-hmm. A landscaper wants to make the best park they can. They don't actually want to get rid of all the bugs and all the plants. They, they want, want to, shape to work it. together. They want to shape it into like their vision of what it should be, but they don't want to actually uproot life because what if that's what the old gods are life as grotesque and chaotic as they can be. Life is grotesque and chaotic. Think of all the stuff wriggling around inside your digestive system right now. You know, and I'm, if we want to, if we want to correlate this again, if we want to correlate this back to Mass Effect, this is why this was all kind of going through my head last night because we've got the old gods appear to be—they're basically organic. They are organic life. They are agents of chaos or whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. and then you've got the Titans, and the Titans are almost like the pinnacle of synthetic creation. They go through and they try to organize everything in their image and put it all together. And then you have these outliers like the Naru and the Burning Legion. And where do they all fit? That, that's the part that kind of um, fascinates me about World of Warcraft is that, you know, on when you go down to like its, its base level, you've got, you know, humans versus orcs. They're fighting. Da, 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 da. But then when you blow it out and just go back and back and back, there's something so much bigger here going on that we don't comprehend and i'm wondering if that's a story we're ever actually going to see in full i don't it's weird because it's sort of like the the famous line from blazing saddles mongo only pawn in game of life <laughs> like you know the, the seriously if you look at the entire orc story the entire orc story is these poor guy these, this poor race for all that it was you know it's it's culpable in its own destruction they were just they were living on their planet, you know, trying to get along as best they could and doing their so, thing. Somebody noticed them and thought they're good raw material. And that's what ultimately like that's why you talk about the old gods and like 
have they noticed us, they probably think we're fun to play with and we're good raw material. It's funny. The only ones who don't seem like you talked about the Naru not saying much about the old gods. It it strikes me as like maybe the Titans and the, and the Naru and all them don't necessarily want to destroy the old gods because without the old gods, there's nothing to work with. Like, you know, that ends the cycle. This, this is what, this is, this is another like crazy far-fetched theory that I really haven't, I haven't even done a know your lore on this. It's something that I've been kind of percolating over for years and, and trying to dig up evidence of for years. And I haven't quite compiled all of it, but what if the old gods are simply the end of the Titan life cycle? So there's sort of like the, the Naru with the, uh, the void Walker. Kind of, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's there's there's like that dichotomy going on See, where honestly, the old gods have to exist because they are Titan. They're just the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, which I, would... honestly, I, I don't necessarily think the end is the right word here because the way that the, the old the old gods work, the way they spew out weird nonsense and make tentacles grow everywhere and Maybe everything. The beginning. Yeah, because they feel like they feel very much like grotesque, you know, like tadpoles. And the Titans are the evolved, much higher or, version. Or at least one direction they can go. Or there, um, I mean, there are several times that the Old Gods are referred to as symbiotic parasites, too. Yeah. It's entirely yeah. possible that the Titans can't exist without the Old Gods, even if they're not necessarily in the same... Which is why I'm kind of like, well, island. maybe the Titans are the Old Gods in some evolutionary branch, one well, yeah, way or the other, or even way to... part of that whole life cycle like the whole void and light well, part of it you can't have one without the other they are symbiotic because they coexist because they are the same or, thing or what here's if it's a symbiotic like parasite. well here's a symbiotic parasite for you you have it in your cells right now every single human being does every single living animal on earth does mitochondria Okay. Sure. We absorbed those into our cells, and they became their. They were their own individual unicellular organisms, and we put, we made them part of our life cycle. Do we need to they, go into midichlorians in the force at this point? No, or is that no, too far no, out. No, okay, no. all right. <laughs> Just saying, it's. But I was gonna say, what if it's what if it's not that? What if it's even simpler than that? What if it's like we even in our world, in our real world, there is a fish, and a tiny little fish, that the two of them can't exist without each other. One has no immune system and can't actually get rid of any of the things that infected or filth or build up on it. And the other one can't fend for itself or feed itself. So the two only are able to exist as life forms because the two link into each other and because one literally feeds off the other one. What if it's something like that? What if it's, what if it's something where these races, or let's think of the old gods as a race, not just as gods. They're just, let's think of them as the Titans as an entire race of beings what if these two are sort of like, I don't know, that, that weird balance where if one dies, the other one can't exist? Yeah. What, what, I, I if, don't, what if that's the case? I don't know if they're bonded together in that kind of way, but I think metaphysically speaking, if you think of the old gods as like this, this raw chaotic force, you without them out there... order without yeah, chaos. Yeah, without them providing a creative impulse, without them providing... Let, you know, it, it's like I said before, art is about selection. It's it's taking the, the the vast options of that you presented to you and winnowing them down until you have the concrete thing you want to present. Uh, if you use Kabbalism as an example, the first emanation of light 
is the Ein Sofor, the limitless light, which is everything and all things at once. And because it's everything and all things at once, it isn't anything because there's no discretion between, you know, you can't, all you can see is light, limitless light. If that's all you have, there's no shadows. There's no distinction. There's no variation. There's just light. In order to have something that isn't just light, that isn't just this blinding force, you have to have shadows. You have to have distinction between objects. You have to have, oh, this is a tree. This is a sheep. And the, the old gods provide the, the force and the, the titans provide the structure. This without almost, the, this almost kind of goes into the whole dichotomy between light and shadow, too. When you're yeah. talking about like priests where it's, you know, there's shadow priests, there's light priests, they work with the holy light. And then you have the ones that work with the shadow, which again, it kind of falls back to that whole Naru element. The, the, the way I described it or the way I tried to describe it when I was doing like role playing and things like that, I had this mage. Okay. We're going to nerd out for a minute here. I had this mage who was trying to come up with this grand unification theory for magic because I'm just that kind of nerd. Right. <laughs> And one of the things that she kind of looked into with light magic was that with light magic, there always has to be shadow because you have, let's say you have your hand, right? You have your hand out in a beam of light. Cool. Your hand is in the light, but what is your hand doing? It's casting a shadow. It always has to be there. And I'm wondering if that kind of falls back on the whole order and chaos thing. You cannot have one logistically without the other. So there is this cycle going on. There'd have to be a cycle because if you think about it, this is like – I remember actually when I took my – I took a, a class on, on chaos theory mm-hmm. back in college. And one of the, the points the professor made was that ultimately chaos and order are just words we use to describe systems. Yeah. And with they, the ultimate chaos, the, the most chaotic a system can get is the most orderly it can get. Because when something is at its absolutely most chaotic moment, it is energetically speaking – the most orderly it will ever be because it has exact, you know, there's a limit to how chaotic things can get before they start bouncing off of each other. Once they start bouncing off of each other, they're providing a very, you know, a, a broad variation between everything. They, they spread each other out. If this is purely chaotic by its nature, it's purely randomized. It is now as orderly as it can possibly be. These two things feed into each other. You start making fractals out of the universe. Yeah. Well, yeah, look at, you know, look at, you, you can see that. Too, Joe's you know? like cracking up over here. Fractals are, you know, that's actually fractals a really good idea. Well, th- that's a really good way to look at the old gods, though. Mm-hmm. As fractals, because every servant of the old gods is like this smaller version of them. Like, if you look at, like, sh- what was that one out in uh, Twilight Highlands? Uh, the, oh, the my giant, gosh. The, the one giant that you belly go thing? into, Yeah. And that's then later on, later on, you fight two more of them, like at, at Wormrest Temple. Yeah. And it's like, and inside them, there are more servants of the old gods. Like and, a maw, know, giant maw. And inside the maw, there's more servants of the old gods. And it, it's just like, it's, they keep branching out and they keep, you know, there's like little versions and then it gets bigger and then it gets bigger. Like there, there's that idea that Yogg-Saron exists throughout Northrend, that it's everywhere in Northrend. Its tentacles reach under, like, all the way from Howling Fjord, all the way up to Aldum, I mean, to Alduar, all the way across to, to like, you know, Howling Fjord. I mean, not Howling Fjord, Dorian Tundra. Yeah. That's the, the whole continent. It's got tentacles in Ice Crown. You know, that's what, you know, 
that's the, the interesting thing about the old gods is that you have this massive being that, you know, across the entire continent. And then you have these maws that are like smaller versions of it that are underneath Wormrest Temple. It's like they're they're like little fractal versions of each other because they are math. You know, that they're, they're they're just math, ultimately. And that's what attracts the Titans to them. That's why they don't kill them. How do you kill an idea? Is Azeroth the center of the cosmic fractal? Oh, it certainly seems like it's got something. <laughs> Good explanations so, we've gotten so far. Joe, feel free to give us your thoughts on what we have just discussed here, because you were kind of cracking up a little bit. I, I, no, because I mean, it, it, I, the reason I was laughing is because it makes, like Rossi said, it just it makes a strange amount of sense. Yeah. And like, I didn't even think about that before. Like, that's just so. My brain goes weird places. But like, and then when you <laughs> extrapolate it, but it, like you said, if you extrapolate it in reverse. Yeah. There is that possibility the possibility that Azeroth is the actual like center of the cosmic fractal or the multiverse fractal or whatever it's you want to call it. It's where everything converges. Right. It's it's that center point and that's why it's so special. That's why things are so different here and that's why the old gods have to be there. And that's well, why the Burning Legion is so has such a vested interest because if it's going to flip the table, it might as well flip the table in the middle of everything where it's going to well, make the most impact. Yes. Well, you think about it. Like if you're unraveling uh, a knitted piece or a construction of metal uh, or even a building, you take you out the foundation find, block, you yeah. find the linchpin, you pull the, the stone. Yeah. And when you do that, everything crumbles around it. And that might be the importance for Azeroth that we've been searching for this entire time. And why, like, we are not the special ones. We just happen to be living on the linchpin. Life on Azeroth. Not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends on your perspective. If you know about it, tons of fun. My whole question is, is, obviously that makes Legion very important. Because the one thing that we don't want the Legion to do is to flip our table, so to speak. And end with this whole cosmic deconstruction, crumbling, what have you. But the old gods still exist. They persist. So when are we going to look at them? Are we ever going to look at them? Is it ever going to be a focus where we, where we actually dive into that? If we address the Legion and take the Legion out of the picture, what's next for the cosmos? I think it has to be the next step. I think that the old gods have to be the next focus point. Yeah, but do we deal with them? How- Here's another problem, though, with all that. We even if we beat the Legion on Azeroth, even if we take them out, we have barely scratched the surface of them. Yeah, and it's been implied in several places that the Legion has scoured. You can't even count how many worlds they've thousands done. Thousands upon thousands of worlds. It's it's entirely possible that most of the universe is gone. Not that you can really. Who knows? Because who knows the size of it. Blinked but, out in the wink of an eye. Like there's there's this terrible possibility that all we are doing is get is is getting enough attention. You know, eventually they'll have to stop squabbling amongst themselves because that's what something they do. They you know, Kiljaden and and Archimonde can't agree on squat. No, they can't they, at all. They, they can't get together on anything. And without Sargeras there to ride herd on them because he's off in the Twisting Nether, you know. One of the reasons I've always wondered, why is he still in the Twisting Nether? When obviously it's theoretically possible for one of the Nathrazim to reach him. Because remember the original Wrathgate, it's implied heavily, heavily implied that Varimothras is reaching out to Sargeras. 
if Feramothras can do it, you're telling me that Archimond can't do it? You're telling me that Kill Jaden can't do it? But they're not doing it because if he's around, then they're back to second best. Mm. If he's not around, well, then they can keep going and they or, can squabble, you know. Or is so, it like the old the old crime movies where it's like the, the, the mob boss sends his lieutenant out to go do something. The lieutenant screws it up royally and they don't want the mob boss to find out. So they're just trying to cover their tracks. Maybe I it's not a Maybe it's not a question of, like, they don't want to be second best. Maybe it's a, a, a question of, I don't want to have my soul eternally tormented or whatever the case is, whatever whatever hell awaits me. See, I don't think that the Kill Jaden at least is worried about that for one very simple reason. When he steps through the portal into the Sunwell, he straight up says, now I shall do what Sargeras could not. He isn't worried, oh, my boss is going to think he's going to take me out. He's thinking, he's looking forward to the day when he is the master of the Legion. And when he is the master of the Legion, it's not going to be about flipping tables anymore. Well, so Jaden's Legion is not going to be about the destruction of order. And it's that's what interests me is because what happens when we beat them on Azeroth? What do they do? Because Azeroth will have now proven itself to be a hard enough nut to crack that they failed to take it three times. What I find kind of interesting about the Burning Legion is that they are going about this whole fomenting chaos type thing by destroying worlds and whatever, and they are doing it in such an orderly fashion. It's like the anti-Titan. Yeah, they're they tearing really they're tearing the universe apart, but they're doing it in a very systematic and deliberate kind of way, which all kind of hails back to, of course, they would do it that way because they have Sargeras leading them, and he used to be hello a Titan, so he's kind of doing it the only way he knows how. Yeah, uh, for that matter, I don't even know if you can say he is used to be a Titan. He still I, is a Titan. We call him the Dark Titan. Yeah. But it's like, not just everything about Sargeras, like when you look at his, the fact, the way he looks now, it's like what one of those guys thinks evil should look like. You know what I mean? The very like, orderly perception of what evil should look like. <laughs> look, I have horns. I'm on fire. Clearly I'm evil. Like, I, it's like he made himself into a supernatrism. It's like a, an amalgam of every terrible thing that he ever locked away. Yeah, and for that matter, we're going to see, in Legion, we're going to see that prison planet. Yeah. He locked everything on before the dawn of time. The place I'm kind of fascinated to see that, too, and see I want to see that. You know what? Let, let's ask this question. What do you guys want to see there? Because I personally want to see a representation of him before he became the Dark Titan. Honestly, you know what I've been thinking about? We're told, like, we're told that the Nathrazim are were when he started to, like, be like, this is pointless because they can't be stopped. You know, I want to see if maybe there's something else there. Like, I, I feel like there must have been some fight somewhere along the way that finally made him say enough is enough. Like, can you imagine if he if he beat something on the scale of an old god, something or even worse and locked it away? Like the other thing is we haven't even talked about the void creatures like Dementius, the all devourer. We're going to run out of time now. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying there's things out there that aren't even related. They're they're even more strange and alien than everything we've talked about. That Sargeras probably fought at some point. Like, so you know, is that what you want to see on the prison planet? I want to see, like, for instance, what what happened to Karesh? Like, did, did Sargeras fight the entities that eventually destroyed Karesh? Like, you know, what what's there? I'm just like, just imagining all the weird stuff that could be on that planet gets me like all sorts of confused and excited. Yeah, I want to see at least a little bit of insight into that moment of cosmic deliberation in which Sargeras finally cracked. I I, I want to see I don't 
lore records or holograms or some kind of flashback, some kind of cool cut scene. Put Taryn Gregory on it. It'd be great. I, I want to see some kind of <laughs> reference to that moment in which Sargeras finally said, no, I can't do this anymore. This doesn't make sense. We're just doing this because we have to do this and it shouldn't even be to begin with. I want to, I want to see that moment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, um, I think actually we're going to go ahead and start wrapping it up here. So, um, final thoughts given, given everything that we've discussed so far in terms of order versus chaos and the Legion kind of standing separate from it all. And us, you know, in this embroiled in this conflict with the burning Legion, if we somehow shut down the Legion, in the Legion expansion, what comes next for Azeroth? Rossi, go. Uh, I think the Army of Light forms. Okay. But what is it directed against? Honestly, because even if we shut down the Legion and Azeroth in Legion, we, not, we haven't shut the Legion down. I think we still have to deal with Sargeras. Okay. And that would be, you know... The, the next logical is, step? Can, can you stop Sargeras? <laughs> I, <laughs> That's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. Joe, what do you think? I think that we're all building up towards, and, and I'm going to say it, and I, I don't know if it's going to be well-received or not, but eventually I think we're going to have to not just fight Sargeras, I think we're going to have to fight the Titans as well. And I think that it's going to be this weird moment where all of them intersect at the same time. And we have to come to terms with the nature of our own existence within the universe. Yep. Which... Seems like kind of a moment of finality as far as the storyline. Because, I mean, once you do that, where do you go from there? And that's a question we'll have to find out after that. Yeah. I mean, it would that logically be the end of the MMO? That's the other thing that I find fascinating about World of Warcraft versus games like Mass Effect. Mass Effect, you could have a definitive ending because it's an RPG. It doesn't have to be an ongoing thing. It, you know, they had like a serial thing going on. There were three parts. The three parts intersected and then they ended and they had a definitive ending, like it or not. World or of Warcraft if- is one of those things where it's a perpetual game, where it's perpetual story. And there are some elements where if you address them, that's kind of the moment of finality, isn't it? Unless we decide that, or unless it turns out that the way that the Titans became the race of Titans is they overthrew the previous race of Titans, and then we go through the universe trying to fix it. Oh, no. Let's just blow it back and make it even more cosmic on a bigger <laughs> cosmic scale. Wait a minute. So what you're saying is that we're going to defeat the Titans, then we're going to try and correct their mistakes, and eventually we're going to try and work on these two different the races. Titans are, the Titans are the Sargeras for another group of Titans that we don't even know about yet. Um, no, but we're going to try and... We're going to try and fr- fix the universe, so we're going to create these two species, one of whom are going to become extremely powerful psionics, and the others are going to become this insect swarm that's going to go through the universe and... <laughs> So then we'll have to be stopped, and uh, that's how StarCraft is created. Let's is just let's let's just <laughs> tie it all into StarCraft. You know, they've said before that the two universes are not at all related or anything. There are so many ways that they could be interlinked, though, that it's kind of interesting to think about. You know, but... beyond the fact that a hydralisk was in WarCraft three, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I have a staff ahead. that's made out of one. Let's go ahead and wrap it up for this edition of Lore Watch. As always, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is available, is able, 
really, to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, including this one, and I'm pretty sure everybody's just going to, their eyes are going to be crossing over this one, guys. We went into fractals. We're weird. Anyway, uh, you also get a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, and we will see you next time. And let's go ahead and wrap it up. I'm Ann Stickney saying goodbye. And Rossi Perez, got anything to say? Adios, everybody. All we are is cosmic fractals. (laughs) Cosmic fractals. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.